Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Insert ominous lightning crash here. It is spooky season. It is spooky season. So for the entirety of the month of October, we're going to get downright spooky, going to get scary. This week, we're talking horror monsters. We're talking the grooviest ghouls in all of D&D. The ones that are like I I, the one of the monsters uh, that I'll be talking and like there there's there's so many there's a lot that to pick from. Uh, But you know, but one of them that I'm actually going to be discussing for the patron plus installment of this show. I show I mean, I showed the photo to you and you're like, ew. I show the photo <laughs> to my wife and she's like, what ill? What is that? It's so so I th- gross. I think we're on the right track. I think we're I think we're on our way there. So yeah, we're very completely. I mean it, this this time in this like these like four episodes, like these episodes that we're gonna be doing for this month and and five technically, including the bonus episode, are um you know, it combines like two of my favorite things, D and D. And, and horror and horror yeah exactly so i'm so excited let's well let's let's get started then you're gonna start us off you i i feel like this was your topic to begin with it was i think this is one of the ones i suggested and yeah. i think it's because you wanted to talk about your thick boy i do Moloch. yeah yeah it it actually has it as old thickness in the notes there the notes are titled old thickness it's true well the bag man and old and yeah and, the, and yeah um but spoiler yeah alert, a spoiler alert for what we'll be talking about at the after the break yeah well that's just we'll be talking moloch we'll be talking the bag man and we'll be talking the intellect devourer uh-huh uh-huh they are fantastic so like, I, I say that like it's going to be like a, a big surprise when it's probably going to be in it's probably the title of the show so i mean it's like it's not, it's not like we're <laughs> keeping the episode don't read the anyone. episode like go back in time unread it and then click it again and you'll be surprised it'll be exactly great. it'll be a shock it'll so let's fantastic. hear let's hear about moloch let's hear about this sweet tart oh, loving uh of course fiend from our, the abyss our boy here so i'm i love him First of all, I'm going to lead with that, and he's not great, and I'm sorry, but if you can have a favorite lich, you can have a favorite demon lord. Just Fair saying. Um, so Moloch is an archdevil in the Nine Hells. He is Balzabul's voice, viceroy, I hate that word, in Malbolge. Um, well, he was, you know, prior to being exiled after the Reckoning. Uh, 
former great Duke of Hell, was betrayed by his subjects and untrusted by his masters. He was overthrown in a devious coup, following which he began to plot his resurgence. I mean, so, on one hand, I want to say, like, I mean, like, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like, if you're an archdevil, like, you're probably, like, hanging around with other archdevils, you're probably going to end up getting stabbed in the back. But at the same time, oh, like, I, I also want to think, like, man, you got to be, like, a real piece of work. To if... get kicked out of hell? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, that that specific comment has come up. I was talking to a friend about it earlier today, and I was like, man, you got to you got to be doing something I mean, to get kicked out of hell. Like it's, yeah, it's absurd. Let's hear about it. <laughs> so he became one of my favorites really, 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 really quickly um, and holds kind of a special place among players of all versions of D&D because his likeness is the one that is on the front cover of the first edition of the player's handbook. Um, it features a large statue Uh you have it how dare you it's so great i was gonna say it's a reprint it's not the original it's not uh, the original okay but uh and it's also got uh gygax and i believe dave arnison on the uh on the like on his climbing his head that is fantastic but yeah that is a it's a huge stone statue um, he sat upon a platform, legs crossed, with his massive stone bowl of roaring flames in his lap. Um, his eyes are these two giant glimmering jewels. These statues were found within temples that were dedicated to him. Um, and on the cover, what you're talking about is a pair of thieves trying to steal one of the gems from his eyes because of their size. And they're quite valuable. So Moloch obsesses over power. He lost... Uh, the power he lost, excuse me, over power he lost, rather than power he could gain elsewhere in the plains. What a pity. He so wastes his potential. Mordenkainen's commentary on this guy here. So I'll start, you know, visually. Um, he's massive, over 14 and a half foot tall, broad, square physique. This dude is thick with like four C's easily. Massive. I'll allow it. You'll allow it? All right, good. Um, meaty arms end in massive hands and sturdy legs. His legs are shaped kind of kind of like a satyr or like a goat shaped. Um, his feet are cubed and clawed, but not clawed as in, you know, raw like a bear, but more like a lobster. <laughs> I'm so sorry, sir. Just getting to see all my gestures. Interesting. Okay. So they right. like, yeah, he's got like two claws, like pincer looking claws where hooves would be, I guess. I mean, it would make sense. You like start at the waist and you see like the goat legs and you're thinking like, ah, I know what I know. I've been here before. I know it, where this is going. This isn't my first petting zoo. There's going to be a hoof at the end. What the hell is that a cube? Are those it's lobster like a, claws? <laughs> they like they remind me of lobster claws. So big old dude. Massive. I don't. Okay. So the lobster claw looking feet thing bothers me more than anything else about him and i don't know why i just i don't um so he's kind of reddish orange skin cute like massively terrifying visage um eyes are these like slanted unblinking slashes that are filled with fiery gaze uh, below that kind of a normal looking nose so you know okay got a normal nose 
massive mouth, like wide gaping mouth below that filled with rows of sharp pointy teeth, much like a shark's. Then on top of his head, he has these horns that, you know, reach outward, curl upward, just huge, nearly meeting in the middle. So he's just this giant red, orange, terrifying beast, right? Three, almost three times my height. So that kind of was a bit, a little bit intimidating. It's there. a little, yeah. I mean, I can imagine so. That's terrifying. Um, so I mean, he, and then combined with everything else, like just, the... a, just a, like a normal looking dude that happens no. to be like fifteen feet tall would be like, oh, but hey, that's com- a real big guy. But no, but, no, yeah. But then combine that with the horns and the visage and the mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 red orangey skin and the mm-hmm. lobster, the the goat lobster claw things on you know the waist down. No. Crab. <laughs> Crab? Crab. Um, Pincers. So, <laughs> so before he rose through the ranks, this is actually what got him promoted to being an archduke. He was a dauntless soldier. Um, his name struck fear into the... Is it Tanari? Yep. Tanar. Tanari. Yep. Okay. Hordes. Anyway, so it's a race of demons from the abyss. He was known for his cruelty and torture he disfigured and just like absolutely savagely tortured other demons his viciousness rivaling the actual lord of the plane that he was uh archduke of um so he had incredible amounts of physical strength used that to his advantage so when he wasn't killing his enemies through ripping them apart with his like hellfire swathed claws or you know biting them ferociously he would just very literally crush them with his massive hands just like a grape which is a technical term by the way the sound effects it sounds yeah it sounded like like you're an expert on this (laughs) (laughs) i've never crushed a man with my bare hands Somebody else's hands, maybe. Um, he also happened to have regenerator, regen- mm-hmm. regenerative powers, uh, making him difficult to hurt permanently without the use of radiant energy or good aligned or silver weapons. Those are his weaknesses. Um, on occasion, when it looked like the foes might have the upper hand, he would expel a cloud of noxious gas in a 30-foot cone, causing mass panic and hysteria so anybody within the burp zone would completely freak out drop their weapon and take off and try to get as far away from him as possible um he's absolutely just built for chaos deception manipulated lied climbed his way up through the ranks you know was constantly scheming and trying to gain more power um within hell of course so He lacked wealth, but he had the ability to use a bunch of spell type abilities as well. So major image, permanent image to create the illusions of riches or even to disguise himself. He could change his size, change his appearance. He could use magic to compel people, that's with quotations, to work for him. And it was believed that he had the ability to speak all of the languages and the ability to use Uh, magic to understand written word as well so he was just a violent threat essentially he was built for what he did no trying to like speak some 
some like a secret language that you think uh, he might not understand to yep. try to get over on him. He knows them all. He knows them all. He also had several, you know, offensive spells that he could use for, you know, attacking his enemies. Um, greater teleport, fly, animate dead, and he could naturally generate electric discharges, like just from himself, which I thought was interesting building up static electricity in hell which does sound a little bit like torture if you ask me so he ended up with very few belongings he carried a couple whips with him um these i thought were pretty neat he had as one does as one does like you should i guess um he kept a six-tailed whip that he used to deliver shocks with those electrical charges i was just telling you about and even though this whip didn't actually contain any of the energy, he was able to control how much or how little was delivered with each of the hits from this thing. So he could shock you a little or just electrocate, electrocute the hell out of you with it. He also was known to have carried another one with four strands that burst into blue flames whenever he swung it. Which for some reason is more terrifying. That he's got a whip rather than some, you know, huge weapon. It's very indicative of his perceptions of himself and those below him. Yeah, like it's very much against type, you know, like you think, yeah. uh, you think demons or, or devils, mm. you know, some sort of um, like, you know, fierce, you know, sword or, or like, right, cudgel, like something like, you know, like, like. Like, you know, like the uh, topic of our bonus episode for this month, which will be uh, Baphomet, who carries this like giant, like sort of like glaive sort um that is covered, always covered in blood. Oh, and of so, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So him carrying around two whips, like I said, it seems it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. And it is. If, if I were to come up on a devil with two whips, I, um, it would make me think twice for sure. I would feel more concerned. <laughs> so he technically, the realm that he ruled, um, Malbolge, was actually ruled over by Balzabul, who is one of the other lords. He kind of shared this, like had him working under him in his place because he ruled over multiple planes. Um, this was the, I believe it was the sixth layer of hell. I'm pretty sure I might be wrong. Um. Anyway, on account of him being representative, that's why he was the Archduke. Um, so this place, Malbolge, was a was actual literal hell. So giant, it was pretty much a giant mound of debris, uh, huge steep stones at strange angles, stuff like that. It was there were pits of lava about, and it was actually floating in a sea of lava that spewed toxic gases and stinking clouds into the air. Um, clouds you know all throughout the sky are blood red and the ground is hot enough that it literally sets anything that's on fire or anything that's flammable on fire within a matter of minutes while touching it so you would just your feet would go up in flames while walking through this place he had our, our dear moloch he had no permanent home um this was mandated by balzabul to prevent him from resting undisturbed he had 13 grand citadels um, of bronze across Malbolge. 
Um, and he stayed in these and used them for prisoners and for indulging in his vices of torture, because that's what he liked to do. Um, we each all, one, we all have to. You got have a vice. Our, yeah, we all have to. I mean, this is what we do a D and D lore cast show. You know, fine he dice. likes he likes to torture, you know, uh, yeah. prisoners in hell. But we all yes. have our thing. That's what we I'm have trying to our say. things. I'm not judging much. <laughs> um, so each of these citadels is dedicated to a different type of torture. For each each one has its own type of viciousness that happens there. Um, although many of them were ruined during the rise of the Lords of the Sixth. And others fell into despair in the reign that followed his. Um, his authority was definitely not appreciated. Like his people did not like him, did not care for him at all. Under his rule, um, Malbolge was a constantly like a buzzing place. There was always noise. There was always activity. Um, he had armies of hellhounds and devils moving about at all times. The trolls of horned devils around the clock um, that would bring any intruder they found to the highest authorities that they could find. If an intruder managed to escape, however, Moloch and Balzabul, both um, whichever happened to have them, they both loved their violence, you know. So any of these guys that happened to escape, the guards that were on duty and were to be preventing that are the ones that took the punishment for it. So they just, every Naturally. opportunity, right, to the point that something close to 40% of their denizens were maimed or disabled in one way or another. Jeez. I so mean, almost half the population here. And I would say they, they probably enjoyed the escapes because, one, they could punish the escapees, you know, mm -hmm. in, in brutal fashion. And two, they could also mm -hmm. punish the guards that allowed it to happen in the first place. Yeah because then it's doubly so you get even more of them so you can see why he didn't really have a lot of friends or real close allies wasn't the nicest guy I seems like a real peach this guy he's yeah yeah he pretty much blatantly despised all lesser devils um so this lack of friends um while he was reigning meant that he had a lot of rivals at all times even um Bozabul, who he shared domain with had very little faith in him as he knew that you know greed and the desire to dominate um are the things that Moloch treasured um, he was promoted by Asmodeus himself king of hell because of his constant service in driving the hordes out of the nine hells um, as a soldier that was why he was his viciousness and all of that Asmodeus is like yep that's the guy he needs to be in charge of something he's just <laughs> horrible enough I envision um, Jack Palance from the 1989 Batman movie like grabbing Jack Nicholson like Asmodeus grabbing Moloch and saying you are my number one guy that's yeah that's canon that's exactly how it happened i'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure i mean i'll have to i'll have to like run it by the folks at gary yeah, con yeah just like ask them hey by the way but like i want i want to say that that is true i feel i feel it in my heart in a way that when i feel with things this way they're usually true <laughs> so 
sorry. Oh, goodness. So these, Asmodeus had gone away, um, leading the Dark Angels in against the abyss like in this you know during that that's when he was you know promoted at that point so these various arch devils began to fight amongst themselves and choose sides in a huge war um where they actually challenged asmodeus for dominion of the hells um moloch our poor boy was convinced to take part in this by the night hag malagard so while he was, you know, enjoying a nice bath in a pool of putrefaction and pus, um, while being does. coated, right, he, while does. being, you know, rubbed down with the grease from the tombs of heretics and blasphemers, she seduced him. I mean, of course. How could <laughs> Tale as old as time. Wait, who This who amongst gonna sue us? us for that comment right there. Right who there. amongst us? hasn't been seduced by a night hag while hanging out in putrefaction and pus i know i know i mean <laughs> if i had a nickel for every time that's happened to me yeah i how many nickels sergio several several nickels oh, enough to buy a shiny penny candy well and at least by five <laughs> i mean penny candies inflation god there you go or maybe it's made by someone named Penny. I don't. Oh, that's how you get them. It's like, hey, mm. why isn't this Penny can't? You know what? We're 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 digressing. <laughs> I digress. So Malagard um, begins to feed him information and also misinformation. So she's kind of misleading him and poking at him. Um, they did quote her in there. It said, um, "Moloch, these hells offer themselves to those that might and will to take them." oh man you say that to a devil uh you say that to a devil while he's getting the nice you know putrefication and pus bath <laughs> i mean I, yeah that's oh yeah do you see no, it's no surprise that he tried to take down asmodeus of course and of course she's over here playing this game conspiring with him and also against him at the same time with one of his greatest rivals um another archduke named garion course it's a gary so she was doing so in order to of course climb the ladder so he you know moloch agreed you know decided to go in um gave out his orders to join the war and his fortune his forces however had been convinced to betray him at the climax of battle convinced by malagard to do so she also happened to be working with another archduke named Glazia in her playing plot all sides they she is absolutely playing every side of it every side of it you know so, you can't can't fault the night hag for you night can't hag. fault the night hag night hag's gonna do what night hag's gonna do baby <laughs> so Glazia was forming the plot to get the reckoning underway this is when they tried to um, remove Asmodeus from power. So Moloch didn't have any mem loyal members of his court either because of the way he treated folks. I mean, so, yeah, like, you know, you had mentioned earlier, like, nobody liked him. Nobody so, likes you, dude, because you're like, an ass. And so he <laughs> he's in this position where, like, he needs some backup, and everyone's, like, like straight yeah, Mariah Carey. Like, either I don't actively... know her. Right, they're actively playing parts in his downfall or 
just choosing not to step in when they see that somebody else is setting stuff up against him. Like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I didn't see anything. I saw nothing. So after the arch devils are defeated, because Asmodeus won, they were after all of this defeat, uh, Garion once again urged Malagard to advise Moloch to stand in defiance in the face of his defeat. And foolishly, because he had the feels, went right along with it. Um, he fully believed and was convinced that his defiance to Asmodeus would earn him respect, that Asmodeus would see that as strength and respect him for it. This slap in the face, however, had the opposite effect. It led to him being disowned. He was removed from his stations. And Malagard was raised into his position as countess. She then banished him to the material plane, which to him was hell. Hell is home. Material plane, hell for him. He spent the next few centuries um, creating massive armies of monsters, uh, devilish soldiers, and some mortal followers trying to reclaim his seat of power. Unfortunately, while his army was in the process of trying to reclaim his seat of power, he had gone to obtain a magical artifact and, you know, to ensure his victory, and he managed to get trapped and had it taken from him. So his army was there fighting a war with no leader, and she easily defeated them. Malagard. Malagard! Um, so even without him being the one to do it she did eventually fall as well and glazia rose um in in her place uh and it is rumored that at one point um during her reign um moloch was captured and tortured at slag which is the name of one of his citadels one of his own citadels wow uh uh-huh named this how embarrassing he was known for the um, boiling pots of melted gold that he would dip people in. And then he would put them up in little alcoves and decorated the place with all of these pained gold covered beings. So it's said she had done this to him at one point. Um, eventually, he's able to work his way back to the plane of Bator uh, through bargaining some vile acts, although seemingly he wasn't able to leave afterward Um, he continued to try to build an army and take control of hell by force and exact his revengeance but after the last defeat wasn't really easy to gain traction or to bring any of his uh, schemes to fruition at that point so he's broke monetarily politically and has no like physically he's completely powerless at this point Um, and he becomes known as one of the notable outcast dukes of Avernus, referred to as the rabble of Devilkin. The rise and fall of young Moloch. But oh, you boy. know, all this means is that this is this is a, gonna be this can be a rags to riches story. You think for, so? For our thick boy. Absolutely. Four C's. I mean, yeah, I don't see why, you know, why he can't mount a comeback. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you know, if the, if the Red Sox could do, I, I have to make sports references because I love sports <laughs> because I was like, I don't know anything else besides D and D and sports. 
and wrestling. That's okay. I understand sports references, though. If the Red it's Sox not my thing, do it but against I the Yankees <laughs> and, and, and then win the World Series, then, then Moloch can do it. You know, why not? <laughs> sure. Moloch, Red Sox, same thing. Moloch, Red Sox. They both have a short O. You're right. There you go. That's it. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it can be done. It absolutely can be done. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a while. I mean, it was, and the yes. the character on the player's handbook wasn't always, I think it was like retroactively. It was, it was. Sort of like, oh, that's Moloch. But the the creation of the, uh, of the character and, and the lore behind it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's cool to see like all like the political machinations and sort of yeah, like, you absolutely. know, subterfuge that go on in the nine hells. Oh, for absolutely. There is, it is, it's deep. It's like nine layers of hell dip deep. You make a nine layer dip at a next D&D get together. Oh, what would be your nine layers? Your nine layers of hell dip. <laughs> I mean, you throw all the usual suspects in there for salsa, and that knocks out at like sour cream, guacamole, meat, cheese, tortilla chips. You thought this through. Well, I mean, I'm just spitting things out right now. You just said if it had guacamole, I too would be spitting it out. I am not a fan. Oh, oh, (laughs) tastes like wet grass and sadness. Well, we hope you enjoyed the final episode of the (laughs) D and D lore cast because there is no way I'm continuing this show with a guacamole hater. (laughs) That being said. Let's go to the middle of the show. <laughs> Fine. Go take a break and calm down. Welcome to the middle of the show where we thank our patrons, where mm-hmm. we take a look at recent D&D happenings, news, uh, uh, events, and mm-hmm. also wander through the DMs Guild. I kind of mm-hmm. like to imagine it's uh, like the biggest library of like D&D stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, pulling them off the shelf and like checking them out. I feel like there's but... different ages and shapes of tomes with uh, varying different sizes and types of scrolls. Like everything's just kind of heaped everywhere. Exactly. exactly. Big comfy chairs. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and start by thanking our patrons. Uh, this week, we want to thank every single one of them. We want to thank yeah. Mike S. We mm-hmm. want to thank Jack. Peter mm-hmm. M. Who just uh, upped his um, uh, his subscription did he, or did he, his did pledge he level up he leveled up he is now a scholar and receives all up. the benefits of being a scholar which includes uh, all the bonus content that we make of course darkwing bjorn yes. coffee yes. and tex are wizards thank you. Thank you, uh, the thank dog you. indy mm-hmm. jocko h mm-hmm. daniel p and remington cloutier thank you so much for supporting the show on patreon you guys are We've, the best We've got so much cool stuff planned for uh, not only the Patreon, but the show in general leading into 2023 and year four of the show. Got a lot of cool stuff in the works. Um, I've just put the final touches and the the patrons saw a sneak peek of the next piece of merchandise. I'm in there creeping. (laughs) That we're going to, uh, (laughs) that we're going to release and it's I showed it to my best friend and he's like, when can I order that? I've yeah, I've I've shown a couple friends. It's it's pretty awesome. Friends. It is amazing. I'm so excited for you guys get to see it. 
Yeah, if you uh, want to join, if you want to become one of the fair folk mm-hmm. of the Patreon, just go over to patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. Mm-hmm. We've got tiers uh, from $5 all the way up to $75, all mm-hmm. with their cool perks and benefits yep. that come along with them. Of course, if um, you're not in a position where you're able to sign up for the Patreon, but still want to help the show, still want to show your support and your love, you can leave five-star reviews on yep. Apple Podcasts on spotify you can interact with us on social media mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. twitter at dnd lorecast you can send us emails dnd lorecast at gmail.com mm-hmm. chat with us on the robots radio network discord we have our own channel there yep and uh yeah like i said like we like i always have discord open like i always have my phone on me or i'm sitting Same. at my desk and i have the the app open and it's not it will not take long for either one of us to respond this if you have true. a question this is very true we are both real quick on the responses i have spotify open and i have discord open at almost all times like thoroughly obsessed with wanting to talk D. it's true it's true well as far as like what's been going on in the past week this actually happened a couple of weeks ago but we pre-recorded our patron chat mm-hmm. and so it came out between the recording and when the episode was released but the latest edition of the 1D&D playtest rules came out yep. and it's a it's a honker it's big it is it's a and big it's wild boy uh, I like, still have not been able to make complete sense of it. If I'm being totally honest, I've tried a couple times and I'll eventually sit down and go through it, but it's some of it's still a bit confusing to me. Yeah. So we yeah, are exactly, like I said, there's, there's a lot of it. There's, you know, well over 20 pages and a lot mm-hmm. of it is um, we're not, it seems like they want folks to play with the rules like in a vacuum and then sort mm-hmm. of see how it works rather than sort of like compiling right. everything together. Yeah. Um, but without getting like too far into it, like if you definitely, if you want to talk the the playtest rules, like I said, hit us up on Twitter, shoot us yes, an email. Please look, look us up we on the Discord. We could make an entire tweet thread about it and talk to you guys about it. And that would be awesome. I am completely in. But it would take way too much time <laughs> to discuss right now. Absolutely. But, um, there will be a link to that on in the show mm-hmm. notes. Um, but I mean, like I said, like people who freak out, I'll just I'll 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 end off by saying this, like people who freak out about the playtest rules, like, you know, like they're going in the wrong direction. I'm like, absolutely say that then. Like absolutely yeah, make your voice them. heard. Mm-hmm. You know, feedback. Because that's on... the purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that's like they have these ideas and they're like hey maybe this will be cool and then right they put it out there they want us to try the things on tell them if it fits and if it doesn't we need to let them know so that we can be comfortable in it moving forward and so that it can be a thing that's built with everybody involved just like when you're playing like when you're playing everybody's building the world not just the dm not just the guy that's in charge exactly so all of those opinions are absolutely vital to helping grow and shape the game and so your opinions can be heard starting october Mm -hmm. 20th is when feedback starts for the second portion uh yeah like i said link to that um it's the expert classes um Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, it's like the rogue bard and uh, ranger, I believe. That's the one. <laughs> I knew I was going to forget one. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, like I said, link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, uh, this was brought to our attention on the Discord by our patrons. They're just like tying everything together, like the They're... patrons, the social media. You uh... guys are the glue. Exactly. It's true. You're you're very sticky and hard to get rid of sometimes, but you hold things together well. Is that is that how we compliment people? Did I do I it think, wrong? I think that's a like the, 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 that's probably the best compliment you could pay someone. <laughs> If you are into Dungeons and Dragons, which if you're listening to this, I can only assume that you are, mm-hmm. then chances are you might be into a little thing called Legos. Dungeons and Dragons are linking up with Lego. They're doing mm-hmm. the collab for the 50th anniversary and they have they've opened up like a submission uh invitation to um to show yes. them like detailed display models of your favorite character or monster mm-hmm. um functional display models for players or dungeon masters you know ultimate builds with customizable elements all rooted in D&D like so this is the chance for like all you lego fanatics to go nuts in a wild and let your imagination you know run free I'm and excited. I I can't wait I'm to so see excited. like what people are going to make and then hopefully this leads to like official like D&D Lego I, releases. Yeah, absolutely. I have a coworker who's a big Lego fanatic and I asked him Ooh. I'm like should I get into that? He's like it's a it's lot of fun. Expensive hobby. It's, it's I mean it's <laughs> it is an expensive hobby but it's a yeah. lot of fun. It really is. It absolutely is. I have the uh, bonus of having three kids and at one point all three of them got legos for every birthday and for christmas and we would get them for multiple people so i've i that's my favorite part is building the sets and putting them together i love doing that kind of stuff i just i mean i've already got D. yeah i think i'm gonna start i think i'm gonna get a 3d printer and start printing miniatures i don't know if i can i don't I know want. if i have enough time or energy that's or funds what i want to for do. another hobby in the spring, I'm planning on getting a good size 3D printer to set up and print. I'm excited. And then, of course, what does the DMs Guild hold for us this week? Well, in keeping with the theme of spooky monsters from Ben Jin Games, we have Monsters of Horror. Ooh. Add a little silver screen horror to your 5e session with this book, a menagerie of six movie-inspired monsters for the world's greatest role-playing game. This supplement features six horror-themed monsters inspired by famous on-screen depictions, including the slasher, the ghostly tormentor, the possessed doll, the creeper, and the cenobite, amongst others. Additional magic items that add unique ways of dealing with these new monsters themed around on-screen effects and extra descriptive elements suited for horror campaigns and customizable monster talents to add variety to each horror icon. So if you're trying to run a sort of like Friday the 13th inspired like horror one shot. That sounds amazing. Like this needs to be in your DMs Guild library. And it's only $1.25. For pennies on the dollar, you can have all this content. 
they have like uh a flesh creeper which is kind of like the jeepers creepers monster yeah they have the malefactor who um did you ever watch that movie midnight meat train no i don't think it did it's wild it, it's absolutely I... wild with a title like Midnight Meat Train, it's kind of going to have to be. It it lives up to the title. Absolutely. It's amazing. But yeah, so check it out again. Links to that and links to everything else that mm-hmm. we talked about during the middle of the show will be provided in the show notes. And with that being said, let's go and talk some more monsters. Yes. Welcome to the end of the show, or the second half of the show. This isn't really the end. We still got plenty to, uh, trying to, to talk about. So fast, so I don't know, right? I don't know what I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, let's excited. talk. I know we're we're talking some spooky monsters. We've already discussed Moloch, the um, the the arch devil that's you know down on his luck that mm-hmm. was was removed from power. Now let's talk. Uh, let's talk the intellect devourer that sounds pleasant from the first edition of the monster manual the intellect devourer is one of the most feared of monsters they are found dwelling deep beneath the ground or in dark and dismal layers in the wilderness although they are able to attack with their great claws their primary offensive means is psionic for they subsist on the psychic energy of their prey whether gained from the dying shriek or by more subtle means. So these psychic parasites birthed from the madness of the far realm. Sounds amazing. Intellect devourers resemble a walking brain that is protected by this, by a crusty covering. And it's set on a, you know, four bestial clawed legs. So think like a four-legged demon, except there's no body, there's no head, there's just the legs. And oh connecting the four legs is 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 a brain. So just Why a brain. Why are they oddly adorable? <laughs> so a brain you, you want to pet everything is a I do. <laughs> so it's 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 just a brain with like these four gruesome legs sticking out like each ending in a foot with these three stubby talons. So this foul aberration, which is it's, it's shifted in size throughout the editions. Like it's tiny in oh. fifth edition, um, but it can be, it's, it's uh, medium and, and others large and some others, you know, like I said, it, it sort of shifts around depending on, <laughs> on what edition you're playing. It feeds on the intelligence of sentient creatures taking over a victim's body on behalf of its mind flayer masters. They consume a creature's mind and memories and then turn the host body into a puppet under its control. Oh. I mean, it essentially like replaces the, the, the creature's brain mm-hmm. and, and begins to operate like sort of like Krang. And from the Ninja <laughs> That's Turtles. Exactly what I was thinking. It was the Krang. So it's they like use... a Krang puppy. It's like a Krang puppy. Yeah, exactly. Aww, that makes it so cute. You, yeah, you just you just want to pet everything, and that will be your I undoing. Do. 
I, that is absolutely going to be my undoing. So they usually use its puppet host, <clears throat> excuse me, its puppet host to lure others into the domain of the mind flayers to be enthralled or consumed. So these are equally oh. important. Like these, like, you know, the either being enthralled or consumed. The latter, for obvious reasons, even mind flayers need to eat. Uh, the former, because illithid thralls are needed to create intellect devourers. So it's uncertain if these vile creatures are the result of the devious, demented illithid experimentations mm -hmm. or and ritual, or if they are the twisted progeny of some obscene deity or demon. You know, there is some evidence that exists to support the latter as intellect devourers can be found on the 222nd layer of the abyss known as Sherkala or the slime pits. One, what, a, what, a, what a lovely place. The slime pits. Oh, yeah. Zut, Zutmoy, the abyssal lady of fungi and co-founder of the Temple of Elemental Evil. Uh, rules over. <laughs> I, uh, I forgot how it was worded in the source that I looked at, but I was like, I'm going to call her the co-founder of the Temple of Elemental Evil. Oh no! Uh, she rules over a portion of this layer that, mm -hmm. uh, the, or the portion of the this layer that contains these vile creatures. So perhaps this is the birthplace of the intellect devourer oh. and the the mind flayer ritual that they perform somehow like taps into this abyssal layer in order that to create sense. them i mean yeah, yeah. It, 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 that's that's where my mind leads regardless yeah. in order for an illithid to create an intellect devourer they must first take one of their thralls and then uh, so to create a thrall Mind flayers use psionics to dominate a humanoid and uh, to begin the process. Mm -hmm. a, mind, a mind flayer might use its psionic ability to send visions to a humanoid shaman, uh, proclaim, uh, causing it to proclaim the mind flayers as emissaries of the gods. Right. With that ruse in place, the quote unquote gods then mm -hmm. dictate strict rules that cause some members of the tribe to be branded as heretics uh, to provide the pretense for occasionally seizing a humanoid and oh. gobbling up its brain. Yeah, and then after the call... Heretic. Yeah, he's a heretic. I had to eat his brain. What, what else, what else was I supposed brains. to do? My hands were tied. My hands were tied and my mouth was full of brains. Uh, after the colony depletes and demoralizes the population sufficiently... The illithids move in and attempt to return uh, to turn the remaining followers into thralls. The process of transforming a creature into a thrall requires the entire colony's energy and attention, making it no small matter. And right. although it only takes one single mind flayer to perform the process, any illithid not directly involved is required to donate its psionic power to the effort while otherwise remaining inactive. So it takes hey. a village, it seems. Yep. A, a, thrall <laughs> to, a thrall to be is first rendered docile through psionic means uh, using a low power version of its mind blast ability 
The mind flayer bombards the victim with energy that washes through its synapses like acid, clearing away its former personality and leaving it a partially empty shell. I mean, just the idea of like it's fair... gonna melt your personality. Right. Like it's it's gonna melt like all those all those witty retorts you've got, gone. gone. No more uh, puns. No oh man, that that'd be the first to go. I feel well, I maybe it'd be the last because it's like it's a bigger portion of your personality. Oh yeah, no, just know if I'm taken out, I was talking shit the entire time. And making bad jokes. That's it's going on your tombstone. It better. So this step takes anywhere between one and two days. Right. Uh, the illithid then rebuilds the victim's memories and personality, and the victim gains the skills and talents it needs to perform whatever its intended function is to be. We'll have your personality melted in one to two business days. <laughs> like, like some illithid colonies say that's going to take two days. Ha! We'll do it in one. Gotcha, in 24 hours. Uh, once created... They take the brain of the thrall and mm. subject it to this horrible ritual. And the larval form of the intellect devourer is the Estulagor. The okay. Estulagor is covered in a mossy gray fungal growth, and it scuttles and darts about on a set of little spindly coral-like legs. Uh, on the front of this brain thing, uh, are a pair of like long ribbon like tendrils mm -hmm, dripping mm -hmm. caustic fluid. Aw, it's just a uh, little guy. It's just a little guy. Uh, it is essentially mindless, ha ha ha, uh, but <laughs> endowed with psionic powers nonetheless. But I'm the one with jokes. Uh, it hoards gems of all sorts, thinking them to be psi crystals and attacks any creature that's carrying gems or wearing jewelry. Aww. So it just likes the shiny things. It's a little thing. It's a little guy that likes shiny things. Same. <laughs> That's what I identify am, as. So am I a Stulagor? Am I a Stulagor? Is it me? Is it me? Uh, in this larval state, mind flayers sometimes eat the creature as a culinary delight. Yeah. Uh, but if it is raised to adulthood, it sprouts legs and the brain becomes an don't intelligent. Don't make that noise. I don't want him. <laughs> becomes an intelligent predator as twisted and evil as its masters. It is said those rare few that survive long enough, the rare few intellect devourers that survive long enough metamorphose a second time. They're like Pokemon. Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. it's like a second evolution. It's like, you know, like the Estulagor is like the uh the Squirtle, and then mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm losing it now. I know the Squirtle. There's War Turtle. Uh huh. Is there another one? Blastoise. Blastoise. <laughs> so the Blastoise in this situation is known as the Intellect Glutton. It's a more hideous and oh, dangerous it's terrifying. creature. The Intellect Glutton is bonkers. It's a large creature, bloated from all of the intelligence it has consumed. Its swollen bulk is carried by spider-like legs. Its crusty carapace bears strange patterns mm. reminiscent of faces, perhaps the final traces of its latest victims. Oh. And it's especially dangerous 
because it no longer needs to physically merge with its victim, but can instead siphon a prey's mind from a distance. That's just so pleasant. It's like everything about what I just read is disgusting and horrifying. And I love every single bit. So horrible. I love it. Speaking of horrible, Mm -hmm. let's get to our last monster. So this guy is super interesting to me because of what he is. And I will explain. Um, The Bagman. This is a quote from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. He is found in the section about creating horrors, which we might create some horrors later this month. Find Hmm. out and see. Um, So it says the Bagman is an urban legend about an adventurer who sought to escape doom by abandoning his party and hiding inside a bag of holding. When he tried to leave, though, he became lost amid a constantly increasing number of extra-dimensional storage spaces. Over time, the strange forces of this magical in-between place transformed the adventurer into a monstrous creature. Now, every night, the bagman slips out from a random bag of holding. If he doesn't find his home, he drags someone back into the bag with him and leaves behind some trinket from his hidden kingdom of lost junk. Some say that if you speak too loudly over an open bag of holding or whisper, follow my voice into a magical storage space three times, the bagman will come for you. I love, I love, I love it. I absolutely, I love, I, he, I love like, I mean, I love horror. I love the D&D. I love like urban legends. He is, the boogeyman he I is mean, slender like, man boogeyman like, D. I was like you know bloody mary candy man like anything like you look My into the mirror favorite halloween costume to be by the way is bloody mary because it is so easy fake blood that's all i need all you need i'm always mary <laughs> i just need the blood i just need the blood that's i don't want that to be misquoted <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be highlight uh, real yeah that's highlight going real. to that's going to be the, the name blood. of the show Mary um, just needs the blood. A guide <laughs> to spooky monsters. Guide to spooky this. So the thing I love about him is because he's the perfect level of both creepy and unsettling. And so it leaves this level of suspense of suspense there. His concept art is fantastic. Like I very strongly encourage people to go look him up because he is just this gaunt frame with elongated too many joints like all the horror tropes of the big tall skinny spindly monster love everything about it um he gets he was introduced to me through one of my players um whose character had a run-in with one um and he's the one that brought it to my existence or brought his existence my attention both are debatable at this point apparently um so the thing with him is, is that there's not really a stat block for him. There's not like a official content type thing for him. So there's a little bit of interesting history there. So you get to kind of build on his urban legend in any way you want to as a player, as the DM or whatever. So, because again, there's not a lot there. He was just brought up as an example. Um, so 
could be anything from your fear is what feeds him and his power to continue to exist is because of direct belief in him or is he something from a nightmare realm um is he there are some folks that have even used him as an otherworldly patron which i thought was an interesting spin on it um when he's he's terrifying he's super adaptable um and the fact that he lacks that stat block makes makes it to where your players could simply not be able to overcome him if they encounter him like could be completely powerless <clears throat> so in an interview regarding this um in dragon plus magazine wesley schneider senior designer for wizards said um this was part that i found interesting about his little history there since there's not a lot of intense content on him um said uh dnd concept illustrator sean wood and i were looking for a terror that has always been there always been right in the background but you've never noticed a being close to home for dnd adventurers and one who once they know about it they can't unknow it like the genie's out of the bottle and the threat is always there um and that's what he is he's he came about from a conversation about folklore and how some of the best stories in the world start from the most mundane unexpected places and then basically they take on a little life of their own just like real folklore do it, does um Stephen Oakley that's one of the um artists that did the work in the guide to Ravenloft um said anytime something in D&D plays into being a simple creature so the characters feel like they know what they're dealing with and then it flips that to show them that they're completely wrong <laughs> that stands out to me it's the fear of the unknown that's always fun to discover two things well three things about the bagman one absolutely horrifying <laughs> absolutely is, uh, nightmare is. fuel uh two horrible. i i love the like it's, you know, it's like when we create our magic items of the week, like we often mm -hmm. put like a sort of like, you know, uh, like a, not like a curse on it, but sort of like a, like a. To a balance con. it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You got to uh, put something there to balance it. And so what this does is puts sort of puts that balance on a bag of holding. Cause now mm -hmm. the, the players have like, oh man, like we don't have to worry about encumbrance. Like Eggs. we don't have to like, which like, I'm not, you know at least personally, like I'm not the, you know, I'm like, oh, well you have too many gold coins now or. Yeah. I tried to rule with be reasonable. Like, right. is it logical that your character could actually carry that many things then? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, sure. But mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to rules lawyer, the, the pounds. Same. And so it's, but it's convenient for the things like for sure, like you're not able to carry that as is you can throw it into the bag of holding. But if there's that threat that the bagman could come out, Oh, there that is. Bag of holding, then that makes it all the more interesting. <laughs> he, and mm -hmm. and secondly, the lack of a stat block that to me is super unsettling. Well, there are also, some folks that have. There are some out there that are non official, but well, yeah, that means you get you can't defeat him. Well, like, I, I mean, it, it depends on the game. It depends right. on how you run him. It depends on right on how, what the DM wants to do. And because there's no official stat block, the players don't know what to do either. So huh? it, it limits the metagaming immediately because you're not exactly sure, 
you know what Which you know it's the bad man mm-hmm. but yeah but you don't know what it's capable of mm-hmm. and so you know and and as as much as as much as you know D players know mm-hmm. they're like oh they see some they see like a frost giant they're like okay well let's, oh, yeah, i know what that is uh, let, well let's hit it with fire baby <laughs> maybe yeah. that'll work um so, but yeah so that that actually like yeah i love he it he exists in world for the campaigns that i run because again one of my players mellow brought it up to me and asked if he could use that as part of a backstory for his character having escaped it now this character has an issue with bags of holding and there are two numbers on a d100 that will make him exist one of them will make it happen where they are where it's witnessed and the other one they don't know about but i picked two numbers at random and so every time someone mentions it or we're using the bag of holding or I've opened it, got to roll. There's, every I mean, time. It's, it's the chances are slim, but they're still. They are. It's not zero. It's not zero. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my gosh. I love this time of year so much. Oh, I could talk favorite. horror monsters forever. <laughs> and in fact, we're actually going to talk some more for the Patreon Plus installment of this episode if you're interested yeah. in hearing about a couple of more spooky dookie monsters in mm-hmm. D&D, uh then you can go to patreon.com/dndlorecast, sign up for all the bonus content and get that plus uh you know actual bonus episodes, mm-hmm. you know stickers, mm-hmm. merch, all sorts of gravy stuff. All sorts of great stuffs. So, uh we are reworking how we do yes. the magic items of the week yes 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 uh rather than doing a homebrew item every single week we also want to highlight some uh maybe lesser known official items that we mm-hmm. think are cool uh and yes. so that being said what is the first one that you want to cover mary so i found a uh not me personally i don't have this that would be terrifying um a cursed luck stones this is an actual official content it's a wondrous item and it is uncommon and requires your attunement so it is a flat gray and black river stone that is inscribed with an unknown arcane symbol and feels cool to the touch while carrying it you gain advantage on one ability check of your, your choice um and the stone can't be used again this way until the following dawn so once a day one and done However, it's cursed, as the name would imply. Um, Imagine that. A cursed cursed stone is cursed. What's the curse that you're constantly worrying about a curse? And there isn't one. No, that's not what it is, but that would be messed up. It's just nerves. It's your nerves. It causes anxiety, I guess. Um, No, so it It is It can be debilitating. (laughs) It can. Attuning to it curses you until you are targeted by a remove curse spell. Or similar magics. So as long as you remain cursed, you can't get rid of it. Anytime you try, it teleports back into your pocket or your bag that you're carrying. And after you use its magic, next two ability checks are made at disadvantage. That's definitely something that uh, I feel like a player would pick up Uh and then not obviously not realize what they're picking up and then hate their dm for letting them pick it up i'm considering it (laughs) and this is from the uh ghost of salt marsh adventure yes Yes. so definitely check it out uh let us know if you use it in the campaign yes well definitely definitely that being said i think that about wraps us up for this week 
I think thank so. you so much for listening, for allowing yes. us to be a part of your day or your evening. And uh, you just, yeah, opening your ears to the D&D lore cast this week. Yes, please. It is so, so, so kind of you. And it, it just means the world to us to continue to get to do this for you guys. Join us again next week. Yep. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.